Hello. Big shout out. Where are my students at in the room? Where are they at? Yes. I love working with students. I love them because they're ready and they're open. And when they hear a word from the Lord, they're open to changing whatever's required to obey it. They're just ready. So I hope you are too. Are you ready too? Perfect. Because today we get to study Psalm 139. If you have your Bibles, open it up. Here's how the Psalm breaks down. There's four sections. Each section contains six verses. And we're continuing this series called All the Things. And so far, the emphasis really has been on our things. What do we do with our fear? What do we do with our regret? And what this psalm does, it says, let's look at God and all about him. And so these first two sets of six verses, David just thinks about who God is. And then he meditates on it. And then he begins to look at himself and says, if that's true, what does it mean for me? And he spends six verses telling us that. And then he gives us the wisdom and encouragement on how in the world we can respond to that. I love this psalm because about a year and a half ago, I understood it more. God prepared my heart a year and a half ago for this message. See, I went to this birthday party. It was thrown by the girl whose birthday it was. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of different types of birthday people. So what I mean by that is some people really love their birthday to the point where it's not just a birthday, it's a birth month. You know what I mean? Who's those people? You know who you are. You know who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's the people that are like, I'm okay if it passes by, except for my spouse. He will remember. But uh, I don't know what type of birthday person you are. And this was a new friend. So I didn't know what type of birthday person she was when I got the invitation from her for her birthday party. And I remember showing up and I was shocked as I walked up. It was like a wedding. I walked, I was like, wow. And then there was this assortment of lemonades and types of drinks that were just, I'm like, wow. And I remember taking my seat with my name card right there. And I'm like, wow. There was like 15 of us sitting around the table and we were thinking, what is this, you know? To which the birthday girl then proceeds to bring the first course she serves it up and then she hustles back to the kitchen and then she grabs the next course and then she hustles back to the kitchen and the third and then the fourth meal. Then she says, here's the main dish, it's you. She says, the reason I called you here and invited you to my birthday party is because I truly believe I am who I am because you're in my life. Isn't that beautiful? I know, by the way, you should try it, but just don't invite people from here because I'll just know you stole the idea, but <laughs> it was beautiful. And then she took out a stack of cards that she had handwritten for each person at the table to tell them how they and their life has allowed her to become the best version of herself. Wow. To be honest, I don't remember what she wrote on my card <laughs> because I really liked what she wrote on the person to my right, and I'm competitive, so... Uh, <laughs> But here's what she wrote on her card. She said, you search your heart more than anyone I've ever met. I sat there and I was thinking, what does that mean? Search your, what, how do you do that? Well, can I do that? I, can I do that more? Can I beat her? Can I search my heart more than she can? I think I can. So I have. So just so you know, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the 40th birthday, you know, <laughs> but I have. And then I open up this psalm, and it's precisely what David does. He begins and he ends with this idea of God, search me. 
Because when he allows God to do just that, he not only understands who God is, he has a better idea of who God intended him to be, and he will become the best version of himself. And friends, so can we. So let's read the first six verses together. And as we do, I need to warn you, last night we read this passage. Someone from our congregation went to visit someone in their family in the hospital. And in a moment where they didn't have the words to say, in a very difficult moment, they just opened up these very, very words. And these words from God, which by the way, I believe God's word is far more important and impactful than anything I can say about it. So as I read these words, I want you to open your heart like the woman did in the hospital because it was precisely what she needed to hear because it was from the one she needed to hear from. Amen? Oh, so get ready. Open your life to hear from our living God as he writes through David. David writes, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and am doing nothing. (laughs) You know when I rise. You even perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You, God, are familiar with all my ways. He's even familiar with your really mundane days. Before a word is on my tongue, before it even comes out of my mouth, you know it completely. God knows the very next word you're going to (laughs) say. You don't even know that. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. First truth that God reveals about himself to David through this passage is that God knows everything. (laughs) Another word to say is God is omniscient. David, in these first two, six and six verses, what he does is he actually clarifies a few things about God that are unique to God. They're referred to as his incommunicable attributes. There's some communicable attributes, which means this. God is love. We can be more loving. God is merciful. We can be more merciful. His incommunicable attributes, his omni-attributes, are things that are only distinct to him. And the first one David proclaims is, you know everything. I love working with students. I did a Bible study with some students around these first six verses. What we did is we took a bunch of students and we broke them into two groups. We said, just study Psalm 139 and they went back. And we were shocked at the difference between the two groups. The first group came back and they were saying, "Ah, I'm so known. I I love that God, he just knows me. And maybe someone in the room just really needs to know someone really knows you. They know everything about you. And there was that first group, it just looking at them, it looked like they were just sitting in a hug. You know what I mean? They're just the warm and the fuzzies of recognizing that God really knows everything. The second group was a little different. It was more like this. So he knows everything, huh? <laughs> and friends, he does. He knows your biggest mistakes. He knows the thoughts you have that no one else knows. He knows your word choices. He knows when you've screamed at your kids. He knows everything. And whether whether that knowledge brings you comfort or whether it terrifies you, 
you can know this. He'll always love you knowing all of you. We sang about it. Do you know this? J.I. Packer writes it so eloquently when he says this. There is tremendous relief in knowing that his love to me is utterly realistic, based at every point on prior knowledge about the worst of me, so that no discovery can disillusion him about me in the way I'm so often disillusioned about myself. Disillusion means disappointed, surprised, shocked. I'm not as good as I thought I should be. Anyone have those moments? I'm not where I should be by now. My intimacy with the Lord is not where it should be, so I'm just gonna fake it. God knows, but he loves you. And knowing the worst about you, it won't quench his determination to bless you. Dwell on that for a moment. God knows all your secrets, and none of them will make him falter in his perfect love for you. God knows everything. And how does David respond? He knows that he doesn't just know everything. He's also everywhere and in everything. David goes on, verse seven. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. But it's true here too, if I make my bed in the depths, you're there. He was there. You really weren't as alone as you felt. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, east, west, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me. Surely I can, just, I can just go off and make my own choices and do whatever feels right in the moment. Surely that will hide me, or at least I don't have to think about it. David goes on. And then the light will become night around me. David says, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you. God doesn't just know everything. He is everywhere. Omnipresent. But let me, just, let me just tell you the truth about it, because I've been sitting with these phrases, maybe phrases you've known. Yeah, yeah, he's everywhere, he's everywhere, yeah, yeah. But did you know that he really is 100% everywhere? As in, he's 100% in this room and 100% at my home church in California, 100%. Why do I keep saying 100%? Here's why. Because if a gas were to come into this room and you could see it, let me tell you, the gas that would be on this side of the room is different gas than the gas that's on this side of the room. They're different. God is not different or partially somewhere. He's 100% everywhere, 100% of the time. Does that blow your mind? Can I just tell you this? I've become more and more okay with a God I can't fully comprehend. Some of us get really frustrated by that. I'm just, I wish I could understand what you're doing. Can I tell you? A God we could fully understand would be tiny, and he wouldn't be God. So since we serve the God of the universe, I'm learning to be more and more okay with a God I can't fully understand, amen? So here's where it gets even more mind-blowing. Oh, before you clap, just wait. So not only is he everywhere spatially, get ready, he's everywhere in all time. 
So he's 100% here physically, but he's also 100% already in the future. He's also 100% already in the past. All time is present to him. He dwells in all of it now. Here, let me put it this way. Imagine you're standing on top of a mountain looking down, and if you were, you could see this side of the mountain and this side of the mountain at the exact same time, yes? Two different areas, two, two different things. This is the way that God can look at time. You and your present, you and your future, you and your past. If, is your mind spinning a little bit yet? Good, hang out there a little bit more often. Where's there? Hang out in the place where you seemingly don't know everything. <laughs> it's really good for you. It's called mystery, and it'll lead you to proper worship. Wow. God is everywhere spatially, but he's also everywhere in all of time at the same time. And there's radical implications. There's radical things that will change, or if we were to only understand this. Here's, here's one of them. Not only is God present with you here, he's also already at the place of the person you're becoming. It makes a lot of sense for us to trust God with our future. Why? Because he's already there. And he wants to use the hard thing you're going through as a part of making you and forming you into the best version of yourself. We can trust a God that is outside of time. He doesn't just do it from a distance. He also dwells in it with us. Wow. Here's a second implication. If God really is outside of time, which he is, then we can know this. God can see his son on the cross dying for the forgiveness of our sins as he sees us struggling in our sin. He sees it at the same time. As you're struggling, he's seeing his son paying for it and wanting you to live in the freedom and forgiveness in the moment. Do you see how powerful our God is? Oh, friends, he doesn't just know everything. He's not just everywhere. He's also powerful enough to do what he says he will do. Do you believe this, church? Because believing this will change how we live. And David understood this. See, after he spends time acknowledging God, you know everything. And then he says, you are everywhere. He then begins to consider himself as he writes this. Verse 13 you, with all that power, all that might, all that knowledge, all that presence, you created me. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. A middle schooler I recently saw, uh, hung out with, said, knitting, that takes time. <laughs> and I thought, exactly. He took his time on you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. David's only response, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works, which happens to be ourselves, are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. All the days ordained, my whole future were, are already written and he's already there. Have you ever noticed when you watch movies, they'll say, like the, the token bad guy will say, your days are numbered. Have you seen that? <laughs> what does your days are numbered mean? Watch out, right? 
Can I tell you in David's perspective, knowing all of who God is and what he's up to and how powerful he is, the phrase your days are numbered has new meaning for me. It's not watch out. Your days are numbered. Exactly. You can trust him. He knows the number of days. Or try this one. I walked past a friend who's in the midst of interviewing for a job. The job of his dreams. And I said, how are you doing in the waiting? He said, well, our God is in control. He knows the plans. Even I can't screw them up. (laughs) Do you like that? Your days are numbered, church. And even you can't screw it up. And I'm going to say it because it's heavy on my heart. Some of you have looked at your past and said, I already screwed it up. You can give me this inspirational moment, but you don't know my past friends. I don't know your past, but your days are numbered and he'll use all of it to form you more into his likeness. That's the type of work that he does. He formed you, he knit you, and he loved you amidst all of it. Have you noticed I love this moment with David though? He looks and he's, he's, admi- he's overwhelmed by his power and his might. And then he goes, and then you created me? And David knew the first five books of the Bible and in them have God, has God's original intention. Remember Genesis chapter one. David knew this. He knew that God created the heavens and the earth. He created land, good. He created fish, good. He created animals, good. Then he creates humans. And in chapter one, verse 31, he didn't limit it to just good. Genesis, it says this, God now saw all that he had made, including humans, and it was, next word, very good. Yellow stripes, what's your name? It's you, I know. It's okay. Olivia, perfect. I could tell everybody, but I just want to tell you for just a moment what the implication of this verse is in your life, Olivia. I heard a theologian once say that uh, very good means whole and complete, lacking nothing you need to honor and glorify God with your life, which means this, Olivia. Yes, everybody, but nah, Olivia. (laughs) What this means is when God made you, he said, yes, that's precisely how I want you. That's exactly it. You may see a lot of strengths. You may see a lot of weaknesses. I believe God's even looking at us all and saying, yeah, yeah, some of those weaknesses keep dependent upon me. It's it's what's best for you. And those strengths, they're meant for his glory and not yours. But if Olivia is anything like me, and I have a feeling like a lot of other ones in the church, the temptation for Olivia is to compare herself with beige sweater on her right, who probably probably has a name, but let's go with beige sweater. No, 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 she does have a name and it matters. What is it? What is it? Caitlin, perfect, because when God made you Caitlin, he went, yes, exactly how I want you. Caitlin, how he made you is exactly how he wanted you. I believe it was Theodore Roosevelt who first said, comparison is the thief of all joy. Because guess what? When God made you, he went, yes. And your belief about that does not change the reality of it. It's already true. It's already true. You need to hear the word of the Lord. Your days are numbered. He knows all of them. He made you that way on purpose. Receive that word, you too, and spend the rest of your life just living freely into it. I mean it, but it's not just a word for them. And my, my God, I hope that you would cause that in these two. But church, would we receive these words from our heavenly father? And then say, yes, David goes on. My days are numbered. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, these thoughts you have, God, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. You know everything. You are everywhere. 
which means David is writing this in the presence of God, the one who has all power, all might, all influence. (laughs) And of course, it makes him consider himself. And friends, it should cause us to do the same thing. Have you ever been in a room with someone incredibly powerful and influential? Have you ever been in a room, maybe with a famous person, and you, you kind of, and then maybe you even decide, I'm going to talk to that person. Have you done that? And you know how you, you kind of stumble over your words and you're scripting out what you're going to say and you suddenly become extremely self-conscious? Have you done this? I'll tell you a recent time. For some reason, I'm not that starstruck with most people, but I was with one. <laughs> because I grew up in the 80s and my first concert was, ready? Amy Grant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of you are like, who? It's not you. And if you don't know what a cassette is, probably not you, but... It's a cassette, it's like this thing, and you put it in this thing, and then it, I had her cassette, and so I went to her concert. Ten years later, I was in the same room as her. Again, I don't know why. Of all people, I'm not starstruck with a lot of famous people, but Amy, it's Amy, you know? It's, <laughs> I remember I scripted out what I was going to say about growing up in her concert, and I'm, I'm in my 20s at this point. I should have my act together, but I don't. And so I walk up, and I had the whole thing scripted, and I walked up, and I said, excuse me? She turns in all her glory, and I'm like, hi, I'm Megan, you're eating. (laughs) That was it. (laughs) At least I made her laugh, right? Because being in the presence of power and influence makes you extremely self-conscious, literally. When I was with Amy, I couldn't stop thinking about myself. God knows everything. God is everywhere. He's with you. And as you consider yourself what comes to your mind, would you hear the word of the Lord this morning for you? When he made you, he said, yes. Fearfully and wonderfully made. I know it full well. Do you know it full well? Or is it a verse you've heard before, you kind of agree with, but you disagree when you look in the mirror? Anyone in the room disagree with God on this one? Can I tell you, if you ever find yourself at a place like right now where you find yourself disagreeing with God, you're wrong. (laughs) You are fearfully and wonderfully made now, not when or if. I have this picture in my head of you going into the gym, not in order to become wonderful, but because you know you already are. If you want to lose weight to be beautiful, wrong, wrong. If you want to lose weight because you are, by all means. Can you imagine walking into a gym like that? I'm already good. I'm already good. Come on, treadmill. Come on. Imagine walking into this church. I'm already good. I'm already good. Imagine walking into anyone that you compare yourself with all day long. I'm already good because I trust the word of the Lord and it impacts me. Do you believe it? If not, I pray in this moment that you would hear the word of the Lord. You are fearfully, you're wonderfully made. Now. It's so essential Because otherwise, we'll just keep on living in pride. Pride works one of two ways. Pride is either a, 
I am above, I think of myself more higher than I ought. Or, pride works in another surprising way. Thinking of yourself lower than you ought. You see, if God says we are fearfully and wonderfully made, if you don't agree with it, if you aren't agreeing with the fundamental truth, that's prideful. When God says we're fearfully and wonderfully made, can I tell you how we as a church can respond? Yes, that is bringing yourself in alignment with reality. Your receiving of God's word, your receiving of God's love. If you don't receive it, it doesn't change the reality. You're really loved, church. You are really loved. In my heart right now, I'm, having a, I'm thinking through a parent that maybe has a wayward child and how much you love them and how they don't receive it. You're like, I love you. I want what's best for you. Same thing. Whether or not you receive it doesn't change the reality. Students, I imagine sending you into middle school or high school going, I like who I am. Not because it's perfect, but it's because it's what the Lord says about me. It's precisely how he wanted me. Can you walk into your high school like that? Because can you imagine? Because the truth is, if you don't receive this word, you're going to try to receive those words from somewhere else. You're going you're to love people, but you're going to love people like a parasite. You're going to love them in order to be filled up by them. You're going to try to find your wholeness or your completeness somewhere else if you don't find it from his word. And us as adults have experienced the byproduct of that, have we not? As sweet as that moment was in the movie Jerry Maguire where Tom Cruise looks at Renee Zellweger and he's like, you completely, it was sweet and all. But it's not true. She didn't. He was already complete. Why? Because God said that about him too. A spouse won't complete you. You're longing for a spouse, the right job. Hear the word of the Lord. If you don't receive this word from the Lord, you will try to find your wholeness and completeness from somewhere else. And he says, I love you. I love you. Receive it. Receive that how I made you is exactly how I want you. Right there, that version of you. And then, when you receive it, then you can get on with this life of freedom and love. But if you're sitting there saying, I don't believe I deserve to be loved like this. Can I tell you something? If you're sitting there saying, I don't, believe, I don't deserve to be loved like this. You're right. You don't. But he does. That would inspire us toward worship. He loves you when you don't deserve it. He earned intimacy with the Father, Jesus Christ, when he walked on this earth. He earned it and he demonstrated his love for you on the cross. Friends, if he really loves you that much to give his life, if he really loves you that much, which is ridiculously, as he demonstrated on the cross, why not take advantage of it and then live like it's true? Why not walk into the supermarket knowing you're already loved? Because when you know you're loved by him, that love begins to overflow. 
And then people get to taste the love that they don't deserve either, and that's how their life is changed. And God's plan on sharing this truth is through you, but first you have to believe it. And once you do, may you have the courage to respond like David does. I'll be honest, first time reading through this, knowing I was gonna preach this passage, part of me wanted to skip over this chunk of verses because it's a left turn. (laughs) Because what's happened so far? God knows you. He knows all of you and he loves you. He's everywhere. You can't get away from him. He loves you and he's present and he's pursuing. And then David goes, so who am I? Oh my goodness, I am, I am wonderful. Your works are wonderful. Basically, David's saying this, I'm wonderful because you made me. Then, if you want to know how to appropriately respond, we must understand what David understood when he writes this. Verse 19 If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. (laughs) What? They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Is that surprising to you? It was to me as well. You know all. You're with all. I'm wonderful. Kill them. The context helps. (laughs) Here's the context. David had real enemies. And those enemies were physical enemies who were not just enemies of him, they were enemies of God. And here's where we get. David goes, God, you know everything. You're everywhere. You made me just how you want me. God, I hate anything that's not of you. You're so wonderful. I hate, I hate anything that's against you. And so this truth is still true for us, except we don't have those enemies like David did. New Testament writers are very clear with who our enemies are, and these you might relate to. Ephesians 6, 12, Paul writes, our struggle is not against flesh and blood like it was for David, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of a dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Do you see the effects of evil in our culture? Do you hate it? But do you hate it enough to become a part of bringing wholeness and completeness to it? Do you hate it that much, and do you love him that much? Oh, Peter goes on. He says this, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And then he gets even more clear. Earlier in the passage, he says this, 1 Peter 2.11, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from this enemy, your sinful desires which wage war against your soul. The application for us is still true today. What's the application for us? Do you hate anything in you that's not of him? Do you hate the lustful desires that you have? Do you hate the sin? Do you hate the ways that you find your confidence outside of him? My husband and I last night talked about this message and we said, what would change if we saw ourselves like 
God saw us and we hated our sin like he wants us to hate it. My husband had this profound moment. He goes, I think I would be confident in the right things. Because it's so easy to be confident in, your, be confident in yourself. I'm just confident in what I have to offer the world. Friends, it's not going to go far and you're going to feel that pressure the rest of your life. David's response is, God, I hate anything that's not of you. And if we get to the awe that David had of God, you know everything and you love me completely. You are everywhere, past, present, future. You know where you're taking me. I can trust you. You made me the way you want me. God, would you rip out anything that's not of you? But the best part is searching your heart like that And finding those unwholesome ways is good because it's in the presence of a God who loves you. And he wants what's best for you. I didn't know that about God. I used to think that God just wants something from me. God wants something from me. You're right. He does want your life. He wants your life from you. But he also wants life for you. Believe it because it's true. He wants what's best for you, and what's best for you is to acknowledge what's going on in you because he sees it, he knows it, he's present in it, and he wants you to become aware of it so that you can end the psalm like he does by saying this, search me, God. Oh, I'm open. Are you open this morning? Church, are you open this morning? Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Why would he even want to bring up anxiety? Here's why. Because anything that makes us anxious or fearful is really just a revelation of where we trust God the least. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me, he will. Where? In the way everlasting. He'll lead you back to himself. And when you're aware of his presence, you'll become the best version of you. High schoolers, Hashtag best life. Live your best life. Do you want to know how? It's right here. I went to that birthday party. And the girl to my right apparently searched her heart. I've been working on it. I think I search it more. But I'll tell you how. I want to get practical. Here's what I've done. In fact, if you were to find any of my notes for any sermon that I've ever preached here at Willow Creek, every single one you would open up and find this very thing that I'll show you. Every single one. And here's what it is. I write this word. Search my heart. And then I wait. What's in there? You know what he brings up? Any any moms in the room by chance? (laughs) This one was recent. I'm a little tired. Anyone? Can I get an amen? And you know that, that real fast, that's, and, I, and I wait because he wants to hear it from me. He wants me to trust him with that versus try to keep fixing it on my own. Because how has that been working out for you? Can I tell you what it was this morning before I prayed for this? It was this, which was a fun one. I was really excited. <laughs> I'm not always excited before I preach, but this time I was because I thought, God himself has his words, and then you show up to church and you get to hear his words, and it happens to be through my mouth this morning. So can I tell you, church, God made you precisely how he wanted you. If you compare with other people, you will never become the best version of yourself because when he made you, he went, yes, 
just like that. And when you believe it, you'll begin living as free as he intended for you to live. But we gotta do the hard work too. See, I too have sat and I too have simply written these words many times. And I wonder, where is it in you? Is there times you think of yourself more highly than you ought? Or maybe, and if this is you, this word is for you. Maybe you've just thought of yourself much lower than you ought. Would you hear the word of the Lord for you this morning? He made you. He knows you. He created you. And he loves you right there. Other words that I can be honest, I'm overwhelmed. What is it for you? Happy, good. David opened up his heart. And when he did, he got to know a little more about who God is. For him, he got to really understand that he doesn't understand anything. That's humbling. Humbling is putting yourself in alignment with what God says about you. That's why we show up to church every week. Teach us who you are. And as we have you in view, then we can consider ourselves. Because being in the power and presence of someone with all power and with all presence makes us extremely self-conscious. But the good news is, God wants to remind you in this moment, I love you right there, not a future version of yourself, not before you were made the, cho- made the choices that you made. I just love you right there. Lord, would you search our hearts? Test us. Know our anxious thoughts. Find any unwholesome way within me and lead me because he will. You're not alone on this journey, church. We can trust him. He's already there. He knows it all, loves you completely, made you that way on purpose. May we pray, search our heart, Lord. We give you all because we trust you want the best for all as well. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you that we can search our heart with confidence. So I pray that we would, maybe in community with people after this, maybe we wouldn't just listen to a sermon, but we talk about it. And I pray, God, that we would really walk into gyms or schools or workplaces or homes confident in who you say we are. Teach us, Lord. Change us. Search our heart. Get out anything that's not of you. Lead us in the way everlasting, we pray. And all God's children said, amen. Church, would you stand with me and extend your hands? We've already read it, but I'll say it again this time to speak from his word. I want to send you out with this blessing. And may God's spirit remind you and may you go confident of this. Willow Creek Church, may you know that he created your inmost being. He knows how he wired you. He knit you. And from a middle schooler's mouth, knitting takes time. He took his time on you, church. He was there even in your mother's womb with you. May you praise him this week. Why? Because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
May you know that his works are wonderful. You walk outside and you're amazed. And he goes, you walk outside, just look in the mirror. That's amazing. Receive that word. You're amazing. You're awesomely distinct. Don't walk into a room and try to fit into that room. Don't try to become something else to fit in. You already belong right here, church. May you know it full well. God, search our hearts and lead us that we might come to you consistently, freely. And I pray that we would care about our neighbors so they can know you like we do. We ask all these things in your son's holy and precious and present and omniscient name. In the name of Jesus, amen. See you next week.